We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for bringing us here. God, I pray that you will speak to us, teach us in your word, and compel us, Lord, to uh, be all in for you, to be committed for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, uh, over the last few weeks, we've had a series called Blurred Lines. You guys enjoy Blurred Lines? It was a good series. If you haven't caught the series, I want to tell you to go back online. The videos are online. You can be able to catch it. But Blurred Line talks about uh, human relationships. They talk about relationship between man and woman and, and, and singleness and talked about marriage and a little bit. And something that I discovered just over the last few weeks is single people, you guys are blessed. Listen, like, think, all right, come on. Shelly's like, I'm going to embrace my singleness. Listen, single people, you guys are blessed. I'm telling you, single life is the blessed life. I'm going to tell you why single life is the blessed life. Because when you're single and you, you are tired of dealing with people, all you have to do is go home. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can be home. You can turn on Netflix and you can binge watch all day by yourself. It's all good in the hood when you are single. You don't have to deal with nobody. You don't have little people just running around talking to you crazy. You are just good by yourself. Marriage is a whole different story. I realized very quickly that marriage is hard. There's all the married people here. They don't want to admit it. They're just like, keep focused. Don't let my spouse know that I agree. Marriage is tough because, uh, listen, when you get married... You can't just be mad at your spouse and not come home. True? When you get married, you make a commitment that no matter what happens, you are going to show up. Marriage is the hardest for introverts. Because in that moment, you want to be by yourself. That's when somebody comes around the corner. Can can we cuddle? I just need you to talk to me. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk to nobody right now. But when you're married, you're so committed, and if you want your marriage to last, you got to keep showing up. No matter what happens, you can't be like, no, no, I don't don't feel like going home tonight. You got to come home. But you know what I realized? I wonder why we're not that committed to God. See, because whenever anything happens in our life, the first thing that is in question is our commitment to God. When somebody makes me mad at church, the first thing I want to do is not go to church, and I'm punishing God. I'm going to be by myself. When life seems to start getting crazy, we start getting angry at God and say, God doesn't love me. God, you don't care about me. So I'm just going to go out and do my own thing. When things get really rough, you get upset. You're like, I'm not giving anymore, God, because you're not blessing me. The first thing to go when we get upset for a lot of us Christians is our commitment to God. And I believe today, today is one of those days where we've got to draw a line in the sand. 
Where we're going to say, no matter what happens, no matter how I feel, no matter what they say to me, I am going to draw a line in the sand. No matter what circumstance comes my way, I am committed. And if there's an area that we need to be more committed than anything else, it's in our finances. So scripture teaches us about commitment in two short verses. I discovered these verses long ago, but they really came to a head this week as I was preparing for this message. I knew God had put a stirring on my heart and said, listen, I need my people to be committed. Because I want to do something in their lives. I want to show them that I can come through in more ways than they could ever imagine. So these are the verses that I want to share with you today. And they're found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul, who writes this letter, is talking to a church that he planted He's talking to a church that is, that's been blessed spiritually. Like this church is, they've got the gifts of the spirit. They're, they're healing people. They're, they're speaking in tongues and things are just going crazy in this church. But there's also some dysfunction that's taking place in this church. And so he begins to pen this letter to them. And we begin in verse one and we dive in right into the text. He says this. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. Now, regarding your question, back in the day, they they didn't have they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have email. They didn't have text messaging. So what used to take place is Paul plants all these churches and, and historians said that Paul planted at least 14 churches. So he's going around moving from place to place, from city to city planting new churches, giving life to people. And these churches are kind of left and they're saying, well, what do we do about this? What do we do about this? So they begin to write letters to Paul and, and, and they, they're, they're trying to find out situations uh, that are taking place there. And so they write this letter to Paul that has a whole lot of questions in there. And they're saying, Paul, what do we do about this? Uh, what do we do about that? In fact, in, in chapter 7, In verse 1, they ask a question. He's like, listen, I got to answer this question that you guys have about what do you do about sex in your relationships? He's like, listen, whatever you do, don't hold out from each other. Because what was happening in that day that people, even who were married, were saying, you know what, sex is is not a good thing. We should abstain even from marriage. And Paul was like, is you crazy? God blessed you with sex. And so, don't abstain from each other only during a time of fasting and prayer. But after that, come back together, lest you be tempted. Amen, married people. He says, no. So these are the questions that they're, see, that was free. That wasn't even in the notes. That was just totally free. Somebody in their marriage needs to be freed right now. Somebody's going to go home like Paul said, don't abstain. That's what the Bible said. 
But now they're asked this question because he's been, he's been writing letters to them and saying, hey, listen, there's, some, there's some, some family members, there's some church members in the church of Jerusalem that, that need help. They're financially struggling. There's some issues taking place in this church. So I need you guys to take up a collection. And so they're asking, they're like, hey, so this money, like, where is it going? What are we doing with this? So he says, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. See, Paul is letting them know, he says, this money that I'm asking for is not about me. I'm not trying to build up my coffers here. Literally, the money I'm asking for is to do the work of ministry. The money that I'm calling you to give is so that ministry can continue. And it's the same thing in the local church. Our giving does not go towards the pastor. Our giving goes towards the vision. We have a city that we need to reach. We've got a region that God has called us transform. There's a world that God has called us to love on. And we can't do it unless we have the resources to accomplish this goal. So God ultimately, and we find out a little later that God is ultimately the the financier. Is that the word financier? Financier financier, whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Preachers make up words all the time, so. It's financier. It sounds fancy. God is ultimately the financier, and we are actually the lenders. See, if anybody's familiar with the banking system, when the bank lends you money, it's not really their money that they're lending you. Banks lend you money based off of the deposits that they've received or the loans that they've gotten from other banks. So all they're doing is moving money around. And it's the same thing with us as believers. We know that our God, Scripture tells us, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything in this world is his. Everything in it is under his control. Everything that we get is from him. So anything that we give out, all we're doing is moving money from the giver, and we are acting as a gateway. So he goes on and he tells them, hey, listen up. Do what the Galatians are doing. He said, listen, I I told the Galatians the exact same thing. And so you're not alone. This is not a novel idea. I'm not just coming to you guys and saying, hey, I need you guys to support these people because you guys have a little bit of money because you guys have a little bit. Listen, everybody is giving. Everyone is collecting money together, and we are all giving in tandem. He says, listen, the Galatian church is doing this too, so y'all just join the party. This is a good thing. This is a blessed thing. And, you know, it's interesting. We have a lot of people in this world who are like, don't compare me to that person. And it would have been easy for the church to say, well, don't compare us to the Galatians. They're dysfunctional themselves. And I don't know if anybody in here has ever been uh, in a situation where it said, uh, maybe you were growing up and they said, do what your brother does or do what your sister. Can't you see what this person does? And you sit there and be like, don't compare me. We have this don't compare me attitude. But what he's telling them is like, listen, I'm not telling you guys to give and that the Galatians are giving so that you can compare with each other and say, oh, you're giving this and I'm giving that. He's like, listen, I'm giving you this motivation that you guys are not the only ones. The burden is not just on you. 
You know, you know they, they always talk about this. I've heard this uh, in so many leadership books, and I've heard this in so many places. Comparison kills. You've heard that before? Comparison kills. Comparison kills if you're trying to make excuses of why you can't achieve that thing. Comparison only kills when you're sitting there trying to figure out excuses of why I can't do that thing and why they have the opportunity to do that, why they have more resources, why they're smarter, why their relationship is better. And the only reason is we are making excuses. And I remember I was in college and one of my frat brothers told me this because I was one of the biggest excuse makers in the world. He came up to me and he grabbed me by the shoulders and he says, excuses are the patches we use to mend our garments of failure. It's not comparison. So in, in my life, I decided to shift this from uh, something kills to comparison thrills. It thrills me to say, well, if they can do that, then obviously I can do it. Because we breathe the same breath, we bleed the same blood, and at the end of the day, no one here is better than anybody. So if you can do it, so can I. And instead of wondering how you did it and be comparing and being all down on myself, I'm going to come to you and say, hey, church in Galatia, how were you guys able to afford? How were you guys able to give? Because we want to come alongside and do it as well, too. Comparison doesn't kill. Comparison should thrill. Verse 2, he tells them, he says, listen, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. He says, on the first day of every week, this was a Jewish expression of what they use for Sunday. The early church began to gather on Sundays as a celebration of what God did through the resurrection. Because Jesus was resurrected on Sunday, churches started to gather and start to commemorate this this joyous occasion of the resurrection of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And so he tells them, listen, you guys are gathering together every week anyway, so each week as you gather, set aside a portion of the income that you've made. He said, listen, I want you to do this rhythmically. I want you to do it each Sunday. I want, to, I want you to set a specific day. I want you to be specific. I want you to be intentional. I want you to be rhythmic. Just do it. Put it part of your rhythm. Each week, set aside a little bit of money that you guys are going to give towards a contribution to the churches. You know what Paul was teaching them? Recurring giving. Paul said, don't wait till I get there. Don't wait for me to come and preach a sermon on giving. Don't wait until the plate pass. Don't wait for something to happen extraordinary so that you can absolutely now come and say, oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot I need to give. He says, no, I want you guys to set it. I want you to automate what's important. He says, listen, set it aside weekly. Do it, not out of compulsion. Don't wait for me to come and preach a sermon and say, Jesus is going to bless you if you sow a seed into this ministry. He said, listen, there's no need for that. There's no need for theatrics. This is what I want you to do. Giving is part of your duty as a believer. 
It joins God at work. It says, God, I believe in your mission. I believe in your vision. So I'm going to support it so other people can receive the same grace that I received through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, the money you have earned. But I love the way the, another translation gives. I love the way the ESV renders it and, and or the New King James Version. It says, as God has prospered you. He's telling them specifically, he says, listen, I want you to give out of the money that God lend you. The money that God allowed you to have, that's what I want you to give from. Because scripture tells us every good gift comes from the father of life, including our job, including our careers, including our paychecks. Our prosperity and our success is ultimately found in God's grace in our life. The resources that we receive come from the blessings of God. And Matthew Henry, I was doing some research. Matthew Henry, an uh, old theologian, said this. He says, all we have is from God. The more he gives, the more he enables us to give. And the more he expects we should give. Uh, But here's the deal. I love what Paul says, and this is what scripture says. You know, some of us sitting here be like, well, my money is inconsistent. <laughs> I'm a church planner. I know that life. Well, I don't have very many resources. I, don't, I can't give at the level that everybody else gives. That's okay because Paul goes and tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8.12, he says, for if the readiness is there, that's all that matters. If your heart is willing, if your heart says, I want to give, I am willing to give, I want to support what God is doing, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. God is not telling you to go create money to give. He's saying the giving that you've already received, go and allow that to be the outflow from which you give from. He says, give that. Give your first fruits. And make sure you set it up rhythmically. Make sure that it's, it's set aside ahead of time. And make sure that you're not waiting for me to come and pick it up. Don't wait for me to come and preach a sermon so that we can pass the plate. In fact, what he's telling them is, set it up so I don't even have to pick it up. Send it yourself. Because if I come get it from you, you guys are going to start asking me questions. I wonder what Paul's doing all this money. He's like, I don't even want to get in y'all drama. Because I know people. So he says, listen, set it up in such a way that you guys are setting it aside. Somebody collects it. And then you guys send it yourselves to Jerusalem. And when I come, I can just give you a report of what's happening. What would happen, church, if we just quit collecting tithes and offering in church? Because everybody has set it up as recurring giving. So all we do is we show up to church, and for the first-time guests or the people who are in service, who are not a part of this community of faith but want to give, we say, hey, guys, you know what we do here at Relevant Church? We believe in the power of giving. We believe in uh, worshiping God through our giving. And so we want to give you an opportunity to do this. You can go online. You can do it this way. We've got giving boxes at the end uh, of service that you can drop it off there, and we don't even pass a plate, and then we move on. What would happen 
if we stop passing a plate? Wouldn't that be something awesome where we knew that God's ministry was supported whether or not we passed a plate? You know why churches pass a plate? Because half of y'all jokers wouldn't give if we didn't. <laughs> Let's be honest. You don't show up to church? Oh, I can give. I wasn't in church. You left your wallet at home, you get to church. Oh, I would have given. I left my money at home. Oh, I want to give, but I'm writing a check. Oh, the plate has already passed. Oh, shucks, I missed the boat. No, Paul is saying this is an important thing. He said, listen, I don't want to come here to compulse you guys to give. I don't want to go come over here and convince you guys to give. What I want to do is I want to let you know, set it up each week. Allow it to come out so you don't have to think about it, that I don't have to think about it, and that mission will continue to go forward whether or not we were in this room or not. If we decided for the next two Sundays, we're not going to have service. We're going to go out into the community and we're going to blitz them with service. We know that God's mission will continue to go forward. I've got a vision, y'all. That 80% of our giving will be online and recurring. That we won't have to pass a plate in church anymore. That you can invite your friends and you're like, don't worry, they ain't going to ask you for your money. It's all good. Just show up to church. Could that happen? Could we get to the point where we are so faithful that every week we just set it aside and we set it up and we just move forward? The biggest thing is giving is not about compulsion. It's essentially about joy and gratitude. As see, the early church, when they gave... And they gave for a couple of reasons. They gave out of joy and gratitude of what God had done for their lives. They knew how they were lost and now they were found. And they want everybody else to have an opportunity to hear this word. So they gave out of joy and out of gratitude. Yes, they gave out of need. They took care of each other. They loved one another. It's because they were compelled and said, my giving does not only impact my relationship with God, but my giving also goes out and stretches wide and impacts everybody else around me. Giving is twofold. It's about relationship with God vertically and with relationship with man horizontally. Listen, here's the deal. Giving becomes an act that is gospel-centered. When we give, giving is an act of gospel-centered living. And as believers, we are compelled, we are motivated, we live in and through and because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? That God so loved the world that he decided to expend the resources of heaven, sending his only begotten son to come to an earth that would ultimately reject him and murder him, but he would do it because he trusted in his father and he would go to the cross, die for the sins, open wide so everybody who believed in him could come to faith. 
and that he was going to remain rooted until he uttered the words, it is finished. It is finished. Giving is an act of gospel-centered living and recurring giving. Recurring giving is a commitment to live a gospel-centered lifestyle. Uh, Last week, we saw the gospel in marriage. Will you guys say congratulations to Denver and Angie? That was beautiful. We saw the gospel in marriage. Uh, Today, I want to show you guys the gospel in your giving. I want to show you the gospel in recurring giving. Because as believers, everything we do is because, through, and in, and as a result of the gospel. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Point number one, if you're following along. Giving is an intentional act of obedience. When we give each week, it is an intentional act of obedience. Why is that? We see that in what Paul's writing. He says, listen, do what I told the Galatians to do. Set aside an amount each week. I'm giving you a command. I need you to do this. Paul said that. Well, God said the exact same thing. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, this is God speaking. And this is what he's telling to the people. He says, from the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Come on, God. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But how do you say, God, how can, God, come on. I really, how can we rob you? You're God. He says, in your tithes and your contributions. Number 10, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there is no more need. Paul said, I need you to act in obedience. Take up a collection each week. God said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring the giving. Bring the tithes and the offering so that there may be food in my house. It was a command. And in Jesus' story, in the story of the gospel, he comes to God the Father in Luke chapter 22. And he says, listen, God, if going to the cross can be taken away from me, please take it away. But out of obedience to you, not my will, but yours be done. Giving is an intentional act of obedience. When Jesus Christ said yes to going to the cross, he was acting out of obedience. You know, giving can be hard and stretching. The cross was hard and they stretched him. But just as Christ was obedient, he calls us, will you be obedient? Will you be intentional in your obedience? And in your teaching notes, it says committed giving or consistent giving. I want you to scratch that out. I just want you to write recurring giving. 
Recurring giving is a matter of trust in God. So let, let me lay it out for you guys. Giving is an intentional act of obedience. It's saying, God, not my will. Hey, listen, it's hard. You know, I got bills to pay. I, I got things to do. But, but because you've called me to trust you, called me to be uh, obedient to you, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then, giving is about trust. It's about trust. It says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Uh, So, giving centers in the heart. At the end of the day, we give because we trust God. Paul said, on the first day of the week, put aside what you have earned. I know it might be tough. I know it may be scary. I know there there are things that you need to do. But God says, listen, trust me and prove that I will not pour out a blessing for you. Malachi 3.10, God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Trust me. Make a decision in your heart and say, God, I am with you. I know you will provide. In the gospel, how does Jesus put his trust in God? Not my will, but yours be done. I trust you. I want this thing to go away from me, but I am committed. Not my will, but yours be done. Giving, point number three, opens the door for more to be blessed. Paul tells them, this giving is not about me. It's not about anything else, but so ministry can be taken care of. So that the people in Jerusalem will be able to to, to be supported in ministry. So we can be able to do the vision and accomplish the vision as God has called us to. In Malachi, God says that there may be food in my house. Why? To bless others. Because there's widows, there's orphans. There are those in need who need to be provided for. So I need food in my house. I need you guys to give so that we can support those in need, so that the gospel can go out, so that ministry can take place. And in the gospel, uh, how is giving, opening the door so more can be blessed. How do we see this in the gospel? John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever comes to faith in Jesus, Whoever decides to put their faith in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. Gospel opens up the door. Jesus opens up the door for you and I to be here. Jesus dying on the cross was an act of obedience. It was an act of trust, but it was also an act of love. It was an act of love. Point number four. Recurring giving again is our being committed to God's cause. 
being committed to God's cause. Paul said each week. He didn't say once in a while. He didn't say when you get to church. He didn't say when the money's right. He didn't say when you feel like it. He didn't say uh, as the spirit leads. He says each week, be committed. Make it recurring. Put it aside. Make a commitment. Don't waver. Just set it off to the side so that you make sure that each week it just keeps going. How do we say, see this in the gospel? How is giving, how is recurring giving gospel-centered? Because Jesus decided to be rooted and commit to going the whole way. In fact, Luke chapter 22, verse 43 through 46 says this. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my soul. I'm committed. I'm going to go the whole way through. I'm going to be obedient. This is tough. I don't want to do this. But I know you've got the right plan. I trust that you are going to provide. I trust that you will do what is best. And God, I know your love for humanity. So I'm going to stretch myself. I know that there's a greater mission ahead, so I'm going to allow myself to be stretched. I'm not going to make it easy on myself. And I'm going to stay planted. I'm going to stay rooted. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to be solid in the thing that you've called me to do. I'm going to make it effectual. I'm not going to worry about how people, what people are going to say about me. I'm not going to worry about people saying, oh, why are you invested that way? But I know, God, that you have the master plan. See, giving is embracing the gospel not through my words, but through my actions. Giving says, I'm not going to talk about being saved. I'm going to act like I'm saved. And because I am saved, I'm going to give because I am saved. Recurring giving says, I am committed through thick and thin. I'm all in. Jesus, this is all about you. Because here's the deal. Giving has more to do with your relationship with God than it does to resource the local church. Can I tell you that right now? You can stop giving right now and God will figure out a way to fund this church. 
You can hold on to it all you want. But God says, for I am doing a new thing and now it springs forth. I will make a way in the wilderness and create rivers in the desert. I'm the one doing this thing. So your giving isn't supporting this. Your giving is supporting yourself. Your giving is investing in your relationship. Yeah, by way, it contributes to the whole. But remember what Paul said. He says, listen, I want you to do what the Galatians are doing because the Galatians are going to give anyway, no matter what you do. But if you act in obedience, God says, test me and you will see. And see, recurring giving says that if a gospel effect never ceases, neither will my commitment to investing in God's kingdom. If the gospel is the same every day today and yesterday, then my giving will be recurring and it will come consistently until I am no longer on this earth. I'm committed. I'm all in. It begins with a decision that says I'm committed. Now I got to ask you, are you committed? Are you committed? Are you going to uh, allow God to move and work in and through you to accomplish his purposes and show you how he is able to keep you? Are you committed? Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.